You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries. All of a sudden, nothing can keep you down. What taught you? That it came from the Spirit of God, but it had to be introduced through the test and the trial so you would know what you got whenever trials come. And then next time a trial comes, you'll, you'll end up saying somewhere along the journey, devil, you got to do better than that. I, this is not my first rodeo. Uh, this is uh, through many dangers, toils, and snares I've already come. And it's grace that brought me safe thus far. And guess what, old devil? Grace is going to lead me on home. Uh, you're going to have to do better than that to kick me out. Amen. That's where God wants me. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like God is testing you? God has tested the faith of people like Abraham, Job, and Daniel in the Bible. But what were some of the qualities that these people shared? Unwavering faith and predictable excellence. In today's message, Pastor Gary explains to us that these are qualities that God wants us to have. When the day arrives, our faith will be tested, not for God's well-being, but for ours. By achieving these qualities, we can strive for a better life in God's purpose. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, as he continues his message, Predictable Excellence. I'm talking about maintaining an excellent spirit. And we've got to get that from the Lord because it can come from no one else. I know no one else more solid, more right, more tender when I need a tender touch. Amen. More comforting when I need a comforting touch. Amen. And more correcting when I need correction than my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, He's perfect. He's absolutely awesome. He is he is the wonder of wonders. He's the wonder of the ages. Amen. Uh, they ain't nobody like him as uh, brother, old brother Larry Brown used to preach. Amen. Uh, our Lord and our King, our Savior, our Master, He is perfect and excellent in everything that He says and does. And so if we're going to have an excellent spirit, we're going to have to let His spirit invade ours and take over. So we know what then produces the spirit of excellence. Now let me get to my message and I'll try to wrap this up. Question number three, how can we maintain predictable excellence? Note that King predicted Daniel's future excellence based on his past and present track record. I just want you to notice that. The reason... The, the king knew that David would do well is because he saw what he did well through up to that point. He saw him living right when everybody else was living wrong. He saw him maintain an attitude of gratitude and an excellent spirit when everybody else was foul-mouthed and grumbling and whining and complaining. And he was the one that got the promotion because he was the one that maintained consistency throughout the process. The king noticed. And, and, and God predicted that Job would pass his test, did he not? You remember when Satan brought up, I know the Lord brought up Job before Satan. Hast thou considered my servant Job? God's like, and I know I'm paraphrasing, but would you allow me the liberty without calling me a heretic? Uh, it's, it's almost as if God was saying, Satan, I got a pet project. I got somebody that's so predictably excellent in spirit that not even you can get them down. 
And I want to show off how loyal my servant is to me. And I want to show off my glory through the work that I've done in his heart and the excellent spirit that is unstoppable that I put in him. I believe in essence that was what's going on. Why else would God allow Job to go through that season? I don't think God sends tests to us to see what we're made of. I think God sends tests to us to show us what we're made of and what we need to work on. Because we are disillusioned by our comforts when all is going well and there's no reason to question the strength of our faith, we assume in our religious pious that we are full of faith until a trial comes. And then all of a sudden, back up, buddy, I got some learning to do. And it's not that God didn't know that. It's that you and I need to be aware of our vulnerabilities and our tendencies uh, to go astray and we need to be more solid and predictable and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, the Lord needs you to be convinced that your faith will stand trial. So what does He do? He puts you through trial, and He walks with you through it, and He coaches you along the way, and there are seasons even that He'll go silent and not say single word and step back he, he doesn't draw his presence from you but he draws his recognized presence from you he puts you in a place where you don't recognize him when he is at work because that's where real faith is put to the test not when you can see and predict and know but faith is not sight for if it was of sight, then it would not need to be of faith. So he has to put us in a predicament where we can't see or know for sure the outcome. So we have to trust the one who is pulling us through that process. And in that process of trial and tribulation, what God is doing is he's coaching us along the way and teaching us through experience uh, and circumstance how to trust him even when it don't look good even when it don't look right even when it seems unfair even when it seems even cruel and unusual punishment sometimes it it seems like lord why I've, all i've done is try to serve you i don't know why this storm has come into my life but you need to know that god tests all of his children not so much for his knowledge but for your teaching he's too gracious to us to leave us alone in our uh, ignorance of what we need to be worked on. And so He has to show it to us. How many of you have thick heads and it, it's the school of hard knocks that does your best teaching? Be honest with me. Raise your hand. Amen. Well, that's, that's like most of us. That's like most of us. You know why we need trials? Because it gets our attention. It gets us on the front seat, sitting on the edge of our seat, paying close, because as soon as we get out of this test, we're ready to get out. Amen. And so it puts us in a posture of listening and learning. And next thing you know, God's teaching you, uh, putting you in situations where it requires you to know how to love your enemy and do good to those which hate you, amen, and persecute you. And all of a sudden, you're blessing people that are cussing you out. 
All of a sudden, nothing can keep you down. What taught you? That it came from the Spirit of God, but it had to be introduced through the test and the trial so you would know what you got whenever trials come. And then next time a trial comes, you'll, you'll end up saying somewhere along the journey, devil, you've got to do better than that. I, this is not my first rodeo. Uh, this is uh, through many dangers, toils, and snares I've already come. And it's grace that brought me safe thus far. And guess what, old devil? Grace is going to lead me on home. Uh, you're going to have to do better than that to kick me out. Amen. That's where God wants me. Not fickle, spineless Christianity that runs at the first sight of trouble, but those who are steadfast and unmovable. Amen, as we've preached already. How can we then maintain a predictable excellence? Number one, stick to the script. Somebody say amen. <laughs> like Jesus in the wilderness, when Satan come and tempted him, it is written. It is written. It is written. You know what temptation is? Temptation is nothing more and nothing less than the devil enticing you with an alternative to God's will and making it look so close to you and so appealing to you that many fall to its devices. But God wants you to learn that man doesn't live by bread alone what the devil can put in your hand, but by every word of God. What if what the devil puts in your hand causes you to violate the word of God? Then you can't have it. Starve if you must. You cannot compromise the word of God. Jesus was not going to partake at Satan's table uh, for a loaf of bread simply because Jesus was hungry. Jesus was on a much higher plane than to feed the belly. And we should be on a much higher plane than to tend to the comforts and conveniences of this old flesh. Amen. And we need to get past ourselves the comforts and conveniences of this old flesh and be willing to walk into hostile territory because our Savior is worthy and if we'll keep an excellent spirit, we can do it through Christ. Oh yes, we got to stick with the script. Just focus on what God said. Don't veer off not one little second. I don't care what the devil's whispering in your ear. I don't care what your wife tells you. I don't care what your coworker tells you. Somebody say amen. I don't even care what the preacher tells you. If you don't line up with that book, you stick with the book. Amen. But you stick with the script if you're going to maintain a predictable excellence. Because only God has a perfect track record and only His Word is 100% true 100% of the time. Stick with the script. Second thing, be courageous in conflict. Like Daniel who prayed three times a day and they told on Daniel, they had him thrown in the lion's den. You remember the story, slept like a baby while God shut the mouth of the lions. Amen. He was courageous. He didn't let the threat stop him from serving God. It's interesting to me this brand of Christianity that we have today where people will do surveys on how dangerous it is to serve God where they are thinking about serving Him. I mean, if the danger level is too high, then they will opt out for that and go for a, more, a safer haven to serve God. Where is that in the New Testament? In the New Testament, I see where the Holy Ghost said, go, and they went, in peril or not. The question is not how dangerous is it, the question is, did God say go? Because I promise you, God has a way of protecting you better than any of your plans or 
or, or anybody else's plans to either protect you or hurt you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm talking about being uh, predictably excellent. Just, you know, let come what may. I know where God called me. I know what God told me to do. I know it looks rough right now, but just give God a little bit of time. It's going to all work out in the end because God said it. That settles it. I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to stick with the script. I'm going to maintain the courage through this storm. I'm not going to let it back me down. I'm not going to let it talk me out of doing what God's called me to do. Amen. We've got to have courage uh, to take the risk that we incur when we des- decide to move forward for God. Never be afraid to follow the voice of God under any circumstances. Daniel was strong in his storm because he was courageous in his conflict. Lastly, I want to say this. You've got to be consistent in your resolve and in your expectations. Like the three Hebrew boys. Uh, they told that king, he said, look, now, if you don't bow, we're going to fish and fry you like a sausage. I know I'm paraphrasing again. They said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer thee. They said, we're not going to bow. God's going to deliver us. But even if he don't, we're still not going to bow. Now then, mm, put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? They weren't worried. Why weren't they worried? Because they had read the Scripture. And they read where God delivered His people time after time after time. They had such faith that God would do it for them that they went ahead and assumed He'd do it. So if He did it before, why wouldn't He do it for me? I'm, I'm trusting Him too. They trusted Him got deliverance. I can trust Him and get deliverance. They said, but nevertheless, even if He don't, we st- He's still worthy of my praise. Like, a, like a Esther, when she went before the king, uh, she said, if I perish, I perish. Amen. What if God don't deliver you? Will you still serve Him? What if God don't answer your prayer the way you asked Him to? Will you still serve Him? I'm talking about an excellent spirit that don't waver, that's consistent, that's not tossed about by every wind. Somebody say amen. How do we maintain this? We've got to be courageous. We've got to stick to the script and we've got to be consistent in our resolve to not waver we illustrate in conclusion Ephesians 4.14, the Bible said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine or every wind of instruction, learning and teaching and hunting craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. He's wanting the church to be solid in their doctrine so that they're not swept away by false teaching. But did you know there are doctrines of devils that come to you and tell you something that's contrary to the Word of God? Kind of like the serpent did with Eve in the garden. Yea, hath God said. All he had to do is drop a little question mark where God put a period and Eve stone off. Ain't that what he does to you in your trial? When you sacrifice something for God and then it gets worse instead of better? Oh, you must. Did God really tell you that? You must have missed God. Trying to get you off your mission. <clears throat> Whoever said that serving God would make every pathway smooth? If they told you that, they lied to you. In fact, you're asking, you're signing up for conflict when you serve God. It's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. I just need to go ahead and prepare you for it right now. It's going to, you're going to have your good days, yes, but you're going to have some tough days now. But you're going to have to have some thick skin and you're going to have to have a soft heart that's tender toward the Holy Spirit of God. 
And you're going to have to have a predictable excellence that you're not wavered. You're not changed by every uh, gossip session that you end up in intentionally or not. When somebody has something negative to say about uh, what, the, what the church is doing and God's moving, but somebody's running their mouth and trying to destroy the spirit of unity, hopefully that's not going on in this church, but I'm just throwing it out there so that you'll be prepared in case something does happen like that. You'll be equipped to know how to handle it. You don't pay it no mind. You just let it go in one ear and out the other. Don't let it sink into your spirit. You focus on what God said, what God's doing. Maintain an excellent spirit and go right on for the glory of God. Amen. You got to be consistent. Amen. And uh, this, this uh, wind that it talks about in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, it, it, it gives you the idea, as we illustrated earlier, how the wind can just throw us around sometimes. And the devil comes sometimes, will try to get you off your faith. Because here, here's a verse that talks about those doctrines of devils. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What did it say that their intent was to do to get them to depart from the what? The faith. Now, in literal context, that's talking about apostasy. But in practical context for you and I, how many times did doctrines of devils come up to rob us of our faith in God for the impossible? Oh, we, we'll always believe in Jesus till I, till I die and breathe my last breath. I'm never going to doubt my Savior, but will you doubt Him in your circumstances? Will you doubt that He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think? Or are you allowing the devil to talk you right out of anything and everything you've ever even thought about or remotely dreamed about believing God for? I believe we live today in a dreamless church culture by large. What I mean by that is they don't dream big anymore. They don't believe God can do it anymore. They say this is the lay of the say in church age, and it is what it is, and people are falling out by the wayside, and it's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse, and we might as well just hang up our hat and give up the idea of church explosion, church growth, uh, unless we compromise and go the way of the world, then we could pack the house, amen. Uh, but most people today, they're not dreaming and believing God anymore because doctrines of devils have come in and robbed them of their excellent spirit. Uh, did I tell you the story one time about this? Uh, I was up preaching. I was young and ambitious, and I was sometimes I preached stuff I heard and I didn't check it with the Bible. Don't don't frown on me. A lot of preachers are guilty of that at first. Hopefully, they learn better as they grow. Amen. I heard this preacher say this, and I repeated. I said, uh, "If you'll treat your wife like the woman you want her to be, she'll soon, soon become that woman." It sounded good to me, but it went in the Bible. I just said it because it sounded good. About that time, a old country man in the seventies spoke up. So, dear Lord, how long is that going to take? Apparently, he'd been trying for a long time, and I say that in jest. But you know where we're at sometimes in our faith. How long is this going to take? I've been believing God. It ain't happened, so I might as well just give up. See, that's where your faith just died. Never does God give us permission to drop our faith. If I die not having received the promise, then does that make my faith false or null or void? Absolutely not. What I have learned is that God honors your faith in Him, not your faith in your circumstance, 
Not your faith that things will turn out the way you hope they do, but your faith in the one that controls it all. If you'll just believe God and stand firm and keep that excellent spirit, don't let the devil rob you of faith and hope for a better future for yourself, for your kids, for your church, for this community, for this country, might I say. I know it looks bad, but listen, uh, it's not over yet. Jesus hasn't split the eastern sky yet until he does. There's work to do, amen. We might as well dream big and believe God and don't let the devil rob us of that excellent spirit. Mmm, hallelujah. I know I've got to wrap this up. Give me a second. The word wind in Ephesians 4 is also used in the following passages to illustrate that it is a contrary wind meant to cause you to get off course or depart from the faith. Such as in Matthew 14, verse 24, you remember when Peter was walking on the water. The Bible said, gave us the condition of the setting in verse 24. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. That's the same word used in Ephesians 4. Then verse 30, but when he, Peter, saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. What happened? He got his eyes off Jesus, got his eye on the storm. All of a sudden, that spirit of excellence and faith in Christ just vanished. He allowed the external circumstances to rob him of where excellence lives, which is in your heart and mind and spirit. Since we're talking about boats, as long as the water that's outside of the boat don't fill up the inside of the boat, it can still float. Amen. As long as your external circumstances don't get you all twisted up inside, you're going to make it. You keep your head clear. You keep your faith solid. Amen. Verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? This is a question which I believe being uh, reworded could be said. How did you end up in the place of doubt? Maybe it would be asked this way. How did doubt end up in your sacred place? How did doubt replace your excellent spirit and faith in me? How did this circumstance all of a sudden look bigger to you than the one standing right here in front of you, walking on the water, proving that he's able to do anything? But in our human element, because our flesh is vulnerable to the element, sometimes we allow our flesh to dictate our spirit and let it, instead of the Word of God and the Spirit of God dictating our spirit. And so, Matthew 14, 32, it said when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. We know the master of the wind. We know the master of the sea. We know he's capable. Remember my proposition that when you're predictably excellent, you're also predictably promoted? Well, uh, that, that proves true. In Matthew 7, verse 25, this is the last verse I'm going to read. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You can look at Daniel. We've talked about Daniel. You can look at the three Hebrew boys. We've talked about them. You can look at Job. We never even talked about Joseph. Don't have time for that. But look at all these examples who went through great trial and tribulation. But in the end, they won. In the end, they were promoted. In the end, God blessed. 
I remember Job ended up with twice as much as he had before. Nobody saw that coming. And I want you to know this morning, if you'll maintain an excellent spirit that is a predictable spirit uh, that people know that 20 years from now, if you're still alive and breathing and Jesus hasn't come back, they'll know where you're at on Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, They'll know what you're supposed to be about because you're predictably excellent. And I thank God for those Christians who are steadfast and unmovable. And God is calling all of us into that place. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycottle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.